If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I think a little baby is perfect. As it develops, you know, then it can do more and more things. I didn't know to put those, to make sure those meant. I embroidered music on it. I made built roses. Probably didn't do the first thing that a quilt teacher would tell me to do. You do as you go. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. Now, if you're not a quilter and unfamiliar with those terms, it's basically doodling on a quilt top with a 50-pound pencil with needle and thread attached at really high speeds. My philosophy is there's nothing as warm and comforting as a handmade quilt, and my mission is to get as many out in the world as possible. So I quilt for people, and I teach others to find freedom and joy in quilting for themselves. There are so many quilt makers and just as many stories. Quilting has been a bridge between generations, it has soothed loneliness and chronic pain, and it's been a beautiful expression of art and creativity that spans countries and cultures. Joining me today to tell us her story is Karen Shefflin Hagen. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm The Will Half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to Pins and Needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Many people have heard of the golden hour, that photographers love to take portraits and photos because of the soft quality of the light. But did you know that the golden hour is also a great time to take outdoor photos of your quilts. So there's a couple reasons that this is so. And first off, the golden hour is the last hour before sunset in the afternoon or evening and the first hour after sunrise in the mornings. So the reasons that this is so flattering to human skin and also to quilts is the light is much softer because the sun is at a sharp direction. It's not directly overhead and and bearing down sharply on the subject, so far softer, and it has a warmer cast to it. So again, for portraits of humans, that makes the skin tones be very flattered by that warm light. And in our case as quilters, it also provides the warm, cozy, welcoming look that we really want to achieve in our quilt photos. So the same effect, we're just applying it to our fabrics. So take advantage of that golden hour frame of time. And remember that it changes very quickly, like 10 minutes before now is going to be much different than 10 minutes 
from now. And so you need to go prepared. You need to have your props in place, your person to hold the quilt, all that sort of thing, so that you can snap out a whole bunch of photos really quickly during that soft golden light. You all know I love my coffee. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan, where for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. This helps me keep batteries in stock for my microphone and enables me to keep bringing you these weekly episodes. Thanks so much for your support. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Today, I've got a real treat for you podcast listeners. What you can't see in the audio is that I am sitting in Karen Shiflin Hagen's Quilt Museum, and we're visiting face-to-face. So I am really looking forward to this today. Such a treat. And you may hear noises in the background. There are people coming and going from the museum. This is live and real. So here we go. Karen, I am so happy to be here with you today. Maybe tell us just a little bit briefly Mm -hmm. about your childhood and pre-quilting days and kind of how you grew up. Uh, So I I grew up in a family, four children. Um, We grew up in a church that is quite separate. You have your own schools all the way through the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, clear through medical school even and so we were separate we were in a little church school that was just right above our house Um, we had a dairy Holstein cows uh, a lot of work with the harvesting and the haying and putting up silage and canning food and growing things. Um, that's that's the way I grew up, so that um, you never have an allowance because you never see a penny because you're just all working on keeping everything going. It amazes me these days to watch uh, someone ask their child to take out the trash but mom how much will you pay me it's just not something that I grew up with any kind of uh, childhood like you see children have these days but I discovered quilting when I was 33 I was invited to um, the little quilt group in Viola Idaho but just to use a bottle cutter they had bought and I, they said it was lots of fun to play with, and I thought I would cut these glass jugs that I had and make <clears throat> little greenhouses for my uh, tomato plants. Mm-hmm. So when I got to the building, I couldn't believe it. They were all sitting around quilting, and of course we had sewn. I knew how to do embroidery. I'd sewn clothing and um, we had made the kind of quilts that are a, a comforters made with four, four little squares that are just together, right. uh, mostly like trip-around-the-world quilts, but bigger squares, that we just tied. And so that's what I thought quilts were. And so here they are. We just stood while we tied them out because it only took you know, a couple of hours. 
So I was amazed, and I just laughed, and I said, oh, you guys are never going to finish that because <laughs> they would sit and do their little quilting stitches and tell stories and talk to each other and just not be in a hurry. But it was just quite a delightful thing, and so I started to go every week, and that's how I learned quilting. And it wasn't too long after that that I moved from the area, at which time... Uh, I never did find another quilt group, and so I just began to do it on my own. And what I first learned with patterns, piecing, and that, but once um, once you begin to make up your own things, it just took over my life. Uh, a friend wanted me to make something with uh, game birds and wildflowers, so I made first a quilt for someone uh, game birds for her husband and wild flowers for her and that's how I started making my own things up because right. there I'm, were no I'm kind of way. chuckling over your remark to the ladies that oh you'll never get finished because how many quilts have you made I today? know I know but you, do you see, even know the number do you count them well in the in the building we it are three uh, I go by the pieces rather than calling them quilts because I have my deck of cards and my two runs of alphabets that are smaller pieces, and I don't know whether to count them separately, but there's more than 360 pieces in the in the building here. So by deck of so, cards, yeah, the deck of cards. Describe those for us. A the deck bit. of cards has the two jokers and the four suits, uh, all um, something to represent each one. That people really get kind of a kick out of them because people do, they, and I think. Well, there's many features that I see in your quilts, but one of them certainly is humor. And it's evident in all of those, the the deck of cards, the play on words, um, Mm -hmm. just the unexpected little quirks in those quilts. There are lots of things like that. And the same way in the alphabets, you know, the idea with them is to have a lot of alliteration for each letter. So you'll have rather long, well, one of them that people seem to enjoy is the one for I, uh, called invisible image with inchworm, because it's just a binding with nothing in it except the little <laughs> and bitty the inchworm. Little inchworm. <laughs> but you see, it's to illustrate the various uh, letters. Yes. By the way, it's not easy to put a binding on something that doesn't, that doesn't exist. exist. <laughs> but, <laughs> True. But anyway, it seems like all my quilts are varied from each other. I traveled for years with them. Uh, I worked at the school, and in the summers, I would set up a tour with my all my frames, my quilts, and just travel around about as far east as Billings and Cheyenne, and down to the top of California. Uh, but I would just take a tour all summer. But now, they're here, they're hung, I hope permanently, where they'll be. I, I hope so, too. So that if people want to see them, they just have to come here. Exactly. This is such a gem, and you don't have to fold and unfold I don't and have to be wearing and tearing on the quilts, and I could put a lot of thought into where each one goes, measurement-wise, color-wise, everything else, and, um, you know, even the setting of what you put next to each thing. I just feel like it's 
is quite a dream come true. It is. So we'll circle back around to it at the end, but (laughs) since we're talking about the museum, maybe just tell our listeners where you're located. Yes. Okay. It is in Genesee, Idaho, of course, and the building is on the corner of Laurel and Ash Street. It's 148 Ash Street. Um, Easy to find. Uh, It was the Masonic Lodge, and it had been empty for quite a while, just not used much. It was quite run down. I needed to do a lot of work before I got it set up, so that's where my last year has, has gone into getting it. First the building fixed, and then everything hung. I... I must have hauled away more than 80 boxes of the old black stuff you scrape off under old carpets and oh old asbestos tiles and things. It was just lots of, you know, painted inside and out, a lot of work. But um, it, the title on the building is Kasha. That is the first two letters of each of the names I go by. So Karen Shefflin Hagen, so K-A-S-C-H-A is just what... We named it. Perfect. And it's such a such a visual um, tour, really. You've got it set up like a tour because each of the quilts has mm-hmm. a small description by it. A lot of them will have stories of where the idea right. originated or what it means to you. Um, and I just love that because one can just wander around at will and just read and, and get background <laughs> and just most beautiful Most quilts. people like to come back more than once. They, they come back several times because some of those little story descriptions are rather long but the first time they come in they just oh you know I didn't leave enough time to see everything there's just more than you can possibly remember or even absorb in in one visit so another feature that I see a lot of in your quilts is some type of three-dimensional quality so they're not just a flat surface so tell us maybe a couple at least of the different techniques that you've used and developed Well, I do like to have a lot of texture. In fact, an interesting thing with one of my uh, shows that I was at, a a class of blind students came in and spent about four hours thrilled because there were things that they could feel and they called it C. That's a mark Uh, of success for you. that, That it just made me really happy that I am different than most quilters in that I like people to touch my quilts and I never say don't touch this uh, because there is a lot to experience in that way too mm-hmm. but uh, I, I'm i known for my frayed foliage kind of way before um, people begin to do some of the raw edge uh, on some of the things I purposely fray out like for foliage feathers that that kind of thing and you use different types of fabric too right I've seen denim yes. canvas twill type things also typical well and fabric. of course see I like to do crazy quilts too which takes you into I have the velvets and lures that's my clown quilt but I have the all the silkies and you know in in my jewels of the sea crazy quilt um I just like to to you have to be careful where you do use them. You can't just mix all kinds together, but it just depends on what the piece is. True. Um, so I'm trying to think of some of the other things that I've seen, tooling you have used, and mm-hmm. certainly you do a number of like leaves and foliage that are stiffened yes. and shaped. How do you do and that? Those are stiffened and shaped with weld bond glue. It's a wood glue at the hardware store that I'll put in a bowl, mix some water in with, because you don't want it to smear on. You're not going to glue something to something else, but you're going to treat that fabric. 
And um, so I just get it all in there good. And it is the most amazing thing to work with because uh, when that dries, I spread them in the bathtub to dry. When it dries, it hasn't changed the look of the fabric any. It looks just like the fabric was before that. You can iron it, and it'll be like a piece of construction paper to cut out things like my aspen leaves that blow in the wind are uh, are made with that. And um, when you iron it, you could press that onto your face and make a mask because when it gets cool, it holds the shape that you that you made. So downstairs with some of mine, like my perky plaid poppies, where I can where I would like those. Uh, petals to stand out I can just warm it up almost just with my hands but especially you could use a, a light iron and and form things that's uh, incredible it gives cup, such a beautiful cup effect. it out well and even where um where I just am not even going to form them or anything it's so much more successful than bonding two pieces of fabric together or something like that kind of get the same result because you could make pet, all kinds of petals and with flowers, and well, there's no limit to what no, you there, can there do. There really with is it. no limit. <laughs> and before we sat down and started officially interviewing, we were talking about how you know ideas just springboard one off of another. You yes, know, you've done that's tons right. and tons of challenges over the years because you love that idea of a challenge will give you some limitations three crayon colors or, you know, two complementary colors. And within that limitation, all of a sudden your mind takes a creative <laughs> leap. Any yes. favorite challenges you want to tell us Well, about? because I had mentioned to you that those challenges are like a coffee break to me because I already have thought up all these quilts that I won't even live long enough to make. And it's just a new thing to think about. Yeah. And... I don't know. <laughs> I love to have a new thing to think it's, about. It's, it's almost like mental exercise, isn't it? It's yes. like it's uh -huh. like getting your heart rate going, getting your blood pumped up, and getting your creative juices right. going. It feels yeah. kind of the same way. <laughs> yes. Well, because my most of my quilts, all any kind of thing in nature or special effects like water, you know, and rays of light and all those things um, that I already know that I love to do. Then if a if a if a challenge comes along that just limits you down to to, to a thinking of thing. a new thing, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, yes. I have a couple quilts I want to ask you about. Yes, I'm sitting looking fairly straight on at the one that is a portrait of your mother, and I know mm -hmm. you did one that has a train that yes. was reminiscent of your dad. So maybe give us a bit of the story behind those two quilts uh -huh. and some of the techniques that you used in it. Well, actually, the one of my dad is of a, a combine in the Palouse, and that's the one called Palouse Puzzle that's quilted like a puzzle. Well, oh, my mistake. I thought the, the train, train was one was my father-in-law, who I don't have anymore, but. Um, that that quilt well it i know that the years it went from 91 to 94 uh it has a lot of close quilting and everything in it the smoke has um a, a thin see-through print like you'd see blouse sleeves uh with dryer lint underneath of it to change the shading and okay dryer lint did you yes. hear that dryer <laughs> lint used as a Textile in a quilt. I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> all it is is fabric, you know. It it's is. It's just a fiber. And, well, I use a lot of things that are like, I think I showed you over where I used the little uh, bags that the tiny oranges, the clementines come in. And a lot of, you know, just things that maybe a person would throw out. 
but the the dryer lint worked wonderfully in that and actually i save all the dryer lint for whatever in the future (laughs) (laughs) but um but that quilt has little shanty town writing on it like full steam ahead is the name of the uh quilt and it has french knots with black uh, thread that make it look like you nailed boards together mm-hmm. to write the in each corner the dedication to him and all of that the the quilt of my mom's face um, I took thirty squares about the size of the carpet tiles that uh, had a hundred little squares pinned to each one and I had them mostly pinned the way I thought that it would work. So um, each square, just for scale, each square is perhaps 18 inches and has 100 tiles in it? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Is this Something 18? like that yeah. anyway. To give they you were about exactly the size of these uh, tiles. And then I took those over to school and I laid them on the floor. The school has a lunchroom with a balcony. And I went up on the balcony with my binoculars backwards to scoot it further away still. Right. And um, a notebook that I would look through and and say, let's see, down four and over six needs to be darker or lighter or whatever it needs. Um, even after I had all those squares sewed together and, and when it looked pretty good, you still have all the seam allowances that have to come out. Right. Which can change it. So even after I had it all sewn together, I still replaced maybe seven or so and changed to either lighter or darker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's the all. Do you know offhand about how many pixels? Oh, I have uh, squares are in it. So the whole quilt is made with thirty times a hundred. There, yeah. there were 30 squares and 100 on right. each one. So Okay, so that gives you an idea. And they are all uh-huh. florals. And yes. the quilt is um, a very generous lap size, I would say. And it's just yeah. a, a kind of a mm-hmm. headshot yeah. of Karen's mother. So it is a beautifully done rendition of a photograph. I had lost my mother seven years before I ever made a quilt. And so <laughs> this is my way of keeping her here, having her part of it, because... Uh, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. It's soft. Um, it's beautiful. I love it. Okay, what other quilts should we talk about? Maybe the thread one. Yes, I have a quilt that is just threads, not spool threads. These are threads from if you pre-wash fabrics or what you clip away. Um, <clears throat> you look at this quilt as if you're looking at a flower garden through tears. So you'll see the delphiniums, the hollyhocks, the roses, everything are not um, quite focused. Right. It's, uh, it's blurry. Right. You want it Soft blurry outline. because you're looking through tears. And there's a spider web with the spider in, up in one corner, but also the face of a person who's having a very difficult day. It's called hanging by a thread. Um, I have other thread. I'll be making more of those, but I like to put the word thread in the title because it's a special kind of technique, which by the way, I'm happy to share with anybody who wants it. They'd make a good rug, I think. Um, That's kind of what it reminds me of is the old fashioned latch hook style rugs. It's that soft blending of colors and a Mm -hmm. bit similar feel. Yeah, it has that kind of of a feel that, that it would really be pretty strong for 
you know, that you could walk around on and everything. I want to do that. My brother lives in Seattle. My son has 40 or so Space Needle shirts. He's crazy about that. But I want to do the Seattle skyline with Mount Rainier mm -hmm. and with all of that. And, and what are you going to call it? Threading the needle. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> See, that'll go with sewing. Yes, of course you are. <laughs> so... Okay, I just had another question, and I just totally blanked. Oh, oh I erased um, it. <laughs> oh. So many of your quilts are hand-quilted, correct? Yes, mo most of them are. And then when I put my finger in the lawnmower, I oh had goodness. to learn to, to begin to do some of the quilting with my machine. I used just an old Singer Slant machine that my mom got when I was about eight years old, and I'm past my mid-70s, so it's... Nothing fancy and new, but it's so that I can take it apart, do all the the work with it, and clean it and oil it. And Those old machines and, are workhorses and, it, and yeah, wonderful friends. Yeah, it's a workhorse. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were again before the show. We were talking about mm -hmm. um, hand quilting because my mother was a hand quilter, and that was how I learned as well. And kind of in, I guess, the old-fashioned style mm -hmm. where you had the giant frame. It was four four boards, four C clamps. Right. Not even special things. Just but, kind of one mm -hmm. by four style boards and mm -hmm. then some type of frame to rest the corners uh -huh. on can be the backs of chairs, can sure. be purpose-built stands. Yeah, we just used the backs of chairs and it was just... Uh, mm -hmm. The beauty of them is that they lend themselves to making an occasion, a social occasion out of quilting. So it's multiple the getting women. together, the social yes. thing and you'd, you'd break for lunch but you'd all sit around there, the talking, the stories. Um, I mean, we have quilting retreats Wonderful. these days. It's exactly the same need for connection and sharing mm -hmm. and that kind of unhurried pace. But it's not quite the same because the people are off away. They have their little setup with their sewing machine. When you have that quilt frame and you really are all around it just like a dinner table. And all facing each other. Yeah. It's a little bit still cozier, you know. It's true. That's true. Well, uh, we'll take a break for a sec. Dave's got some water for us. Oh, bless his oh, heart. Thanks, son. Bless his heart. Points, um, you are wonderful. <laughs> we have refills. Those are the biggest mm -hmm. glasses I could find. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's good. Well, you see, I have this spasmodic dysphonia. It's not too bad right now. It's actually fine. I think the sound has been good. Do you have any idea where well, we're at for sure. time? I feel like we're getting close to our There's half hour mark. Right at the top in the red. But do you have any other stories you particularly want to tell? Oh, who knows? <laughs> I just, mm -hmm. you I'll know. take it too. We don't mind the shot. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we could talk about the black Thank and white you. one, the, the shadow one. Let me um, see. What would be good to talk about? We I'll could, talk about the clown quilt. Okay. I mean, other options would be like the challenge one downstairs that people wrote their little. Um, sure. I'm just spouting ideas here. Mm-hmm. What other ones are we thinking of? The one of the two boys hanging over the bridge. Sure, I can so tell. Which, about whichever the ones. Cards. Sorry, I we talked about the playing cards play. already. Yeah, we went there. Sure, I can. Um, okay. Yeah, I can tell about the boys. Okay. So here's another quilt that I want to hear some details about. There's one that is all in blacks and whites and shadows and relief. Is that the right word that I want? Uh, yeah, and I made that quilt when I first had my son, and um, I was at, I lived in West Virginia those days. I was looking out the back window, and the, the 
sun was behind a tree, but it just made the rays out across all the other trees. And I just immediately got the idea to make that quilt. It's called Shadow Silhouettes, and it is a silhouette of a mother and a child. Uh, made with the same print, but the negatives. So the mother is with the black, with the white little uh, design, and the baby is the white with the black on. Uh, but it has a lot of um, intricate uh, borders on the quilt that people seem to really enjoy. That's shadow quilting uh, technique where... Uh, I applicate the little leaves all around and then put a, a thin see-through fabric over and quilted it, which is called shadow quilting. Uh, and it just lends too. a very mm-hmm. subtle and soft effect It to does, that and that particular quilt, I've done rays of light in lots of different quilts. That one has the pieced-in uh, rays where it goes over the trees, has to be, you know, it's piecing in a different fabric for mm-hmm. where the light hits it and everything. It's a remarkable mm-hmm. quilt, and particularly in some of the black areas. You mentioned the mother is the one wearing mm-hmm. black, and she's she's wearing this kind of gown that has a sort of gathered mm-hmm. neckline. And it's just one flat piece of fabric, and all that gather and shape yeah, is created by the hand quilting. It's just beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What's another favorite? And, the, and the boys at the bridge. I have That's a great one with, one with my stories. with my sister's uh, sons. Uh, her friend had taken a couple of pictures of them, and I just said, "Sis, I have to make a quilt like that because I just love that, the reflecting and everything." And so she gave me the two shirts that they were wearing in the photos, and one of Rocky's little Mitchells. He wore out. A couple of little Mitchells. They were always named Mitchell because he'd suck his tongue and rub on their ears as he went to sleep. So <laughs> I have one of those to put in it. I was fascinated with the um, reflections, and so I cut the fabric uh, and put uh, the shirt fabrics and the, all the things in behind and reverse applique over so that you have the reflection in the water. It's called reflecting, meaning deep in thought with reflections. Mm-hmm. Um, but. And another one that comes to mind is you made, um, well, I think you've said that you've done duplicate quilts in several cases, but in particular, there's a musical times, one that you and yeah. your sister share. Yeah, there are 15 times that, well, if I'd make one giveaway to one of the family members or someone, I'd always make <laughs> another one and say, well, this is for my museum, which will never exist. And here we which are. does. But so I have doubles of 15 of those because I've made s- several quilts for um, oh, a fundraiser for someone who, who had, who's had trouble or, you know, some various causes that I've uh, donated a quilt. For, but I always made it double. But yes, the one my sister and I <clears throat> have are flute quilts, uh, and people get kind of amazed at the music on that, which is embroidered. Um, I was mentioning that I let people touch my quilts. I've had hundreds of people braille that music. Yes, come feel. It really is embroidered. Yeah. And they come so it's an it. entire sheet and, of written music and yes. every note and staff right, is it's, embroidered. It's embroidered. Mm-hmm. And so I 
I have never had to clean that quilt. I don't wash my... See, I don't use the quilts on the beds, and so they don't need washing and that sort of thing. But I've never had to clean that. The music is still just white, so... So what are a couple of the other textures that are in those musical quilts? Because there are a few. Well, the roses, the roses, a lot of people, in fact, had someone here yesterday who wrote her address down in Pocatello. She wanted me to send her instructions on how she could make those roses. The roses are with um, velvet using both sides, you know, the wrong side and the right side so that you can turn it back. So you and make get the it real look depth like and dimension of the yeah, rose. Yeah, so that you can make it look like it's all blooming, opening. And, and isn't um, there a doily the on that quilt uh-huh. too? Yes. Under, and, the, under the flower and base? The, uh, and the vase is like a frosted glass bud vase that you can see through. So these you see the stems through it and... Just Seriously, you think through every detail. I just, I love it the way you just drill yes, right down into the little details because that's what creates the illusion. But a quilt like that, it took me five years to know. If I hadn't lost my mother, she would have told me the first day. But it took me about five years to know that if you sew four squares together, it'd be good if it if they met in the middle. <laughs> well, that I just but now you see I have to tell you a little philosophy I have about that because what's the philosophy? I think a little baby is perfect at the beginning and it can't do anything yet. And it, as as it develops, you know, then it can do more and more things. I didn't know to put those to make sure those met. Right, and it's for still a long time, I embroidered music on it. I made built roses, did all of this other stuff, but probably didn't do the first thing that a quilt teacher would tell me no, to do. No, but it's still perfect. But see, it, yeah, it is because uh, you know you do you do as you go. Everybody learns as they go, and they do what they do. It's all good enough. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. So let's see. But what has quilting, like in the big picture, what has quilting meant in your life? Like, can you summarize that well, in a paragraph? I mean, I know huge. there's so many stories, but... It's obviously huge. But then, and the friends that you have, the other people who share it, you know, you have these other quilting women. Well, where I first learned, oh, you know, some of those little elderly ladies, and we'd get a quilt out and... We done good, this one woman would always say. And, you know, it just was such a friendship, close thing. That's wonderful. But it brings you that all the way through. Because there's groups all over who do that, just like probably in any subject matter, you know. True. But uh, that you have your little group of friends. But quilting, they're a little bit softer and more friendly. (laughs) Quilting is a great community, I have to agree. Well, Uh thank you. This has been truly, truly a pleasure. And for our listeners, if you want to visit the museum, it is in Genesee, Idaho. Oh, and I'll give the hours. For sure, it's always open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Easy to think of just the last three days of the week. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from 10 until 3. I open the doors whether anyone comes or not. But... With my telephone number, I can open it any other day, too, unless I'm off getting groceries in town or something. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, 
please consider taking a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcast or the podcast app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so they can hear these stories too. For information on the classes I offer or quilting services, please see my website, stitchedbysusan.com. If you're a long-arm quilter and looking for freehand tips, take advantage of the live and unscripted events hosted on my Facebook page and replayed on my YouTube channel, Stitched by Susan. And if pictures are your preference, check out my Pinterest galleries of edge-to-edge and custom quilting projects. These direct links can all be found in the show notes below. So, until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>